And then obviously Vim made the, the great decision to take me off and bring <laughs> Harold in. <laughs> Coming up on the official Celtic FC podcast, Simon Donnelly joins us as we look ahead to the weekend's action and back on his Celtic career. It's just our character that will always come out on top and we'll just play for each other right till the end. And we hear from the Celtic women's team after an impressive victory over Glasgow City to put them top of the table. This is the official Celtic FC podcast. Yes, hi everyone, welcome along to the official Celtic FC podcast, the only podcast out there for exclusive Celtic content from inside the changing room. Just a little reminder to you all, you can get this on all of your podcast platforms, so please like, subscribe, comment, all those sorts of things, because the more you do that, the more this podcast will continue to get bigger and better. Uh, right, enough of that, I'm Ryan Marr, um, your host for today's podcast, and I am joined by... Matthew Campbell. Matthew, how are you? We're about a week into the podcast now. You've been enjoying things? Loving it. It's going well. Going from strength to strength. I've got to say, though, of course, we're going to touch on this. Still recovering from the disappointment of the other oh, day, just like every other Celtic supporter. But a club this size has to get up and go on with it. And we've got a big game coming up close tomorrow at home. So we're going to dig into that and try and pick ourselves up before the weekend's matches. Yeah, I know. We're recording this on Friday, so two days after the match. I've had plenty of hangovers in my time. This is uh, a two-day hangover, I'm feeling, <laughs> so it's one of those one of those ones. Um, Matthew, why don't you introduce our guests that we've got alongside us for this one? Yes, of course. So we're absolutely delighted to have with us here in the studio today a man who played a pivotal role in uh, winning Celtic's first title in 10 years back at the end of the 1990s. We'll run through some of his career statistics later on in the podcast, but absolutely delighted to welcome Simon Donnelly to the official Celtic podcast. Good morning, guys. How are we? Fantastic. Very good, Simon. Very good. How are things? Very, yeah, very good. Apart from, obviously, as you touched on, Matthew, the, the result the other night, I think it was a, a bit of a, a sickness for everybody, but we move on. The game's come thick and fast, as we know, and another big game tomorrow. Let's move on to, to some of the football, and I think, unfortunately, we need to start with the game on, on Wednesday night to reflect back on it, Simon, the game against Lazio. Um, we said at the start, I mean, I'm still just so gutted by the way that that match ended. And, you know, it's, it's more gutting as well because even if we were to come away f- with that game with a point, I still think we would have felt a little bit like we, we needed more from it. Yeah. But to come away from nothing was just so deflating. It was. And, and uh, listen, I watched the game and I thought... I thought the lads did well. Uh, a great first goal, well worked goal, brilliant. brilliant. Mm. Kyogo takes it brilliantly. A great ball in, sweeping move forward, and then you look at the goal we concede, and there's one or two opportunities maybe to clear it, and all of a sudden we're pegged back. But I thought second half there was only one team, you know, looking to go and win it. As you say, Ryan, we probably would have been a little bit disappointed with a point because you know how important these campaigns are and you have to try and win your home games but I thought we were the team pushing and when Palmer scores you know everybody's up and as soon as I see it back on I'm like VAR are going to strike here VAR is going to strike and I think Maeda only is trying just in desperation to help it towards goal I don't think he's trying to pass it to Palmer I think he's trying to make something happen in the box with 10 minutes to go the irony of it is if he leaves it Palmer's on side he takes it really well it's chopped off even getting into injury time, you know, I'm watching it and I'm the, the keeper's wasting time with goal kicks. I'm saying they're, they're happy with a point. They're, they're going to fancy their chances back in Rome. And then just that opportunity arises. I think Carter Vickers, surrounded by Lazio players, I think he's trying to do the right thing in terms of keeping the ball, gets caught on it. And it's you have to say it's a well-worked goal. You know, it's a great cross and, and the boy, uh, Pedro, fantastic header. But... An absolute sickener because, as I say, I thought Celtic looked the team that were going to go and try and win the game. They looked content with a point and all of a sudden they're away home with, with the three points. It was a total sickener and you're, you're totally right. You know, we were the better team. But it's, you know, it's disappointing, this feeling. And it almost feels a sort of semi-constant, regular feeling of yeah. we're the better team, but we're coming away with nothing. I, I just wonder at times, I, I think the way we played the other night, you know, controlled the ball, our build-up looked good, 
And you're right that the, the goal was so well worked. One touch, yeah. From he sends Kyogo through it, it's, and it's a it's great a finish. Yeah. But I wonder, is there at times a lack of quality chances? You know, our build-up plays fantastic, but when we're coming in towards the box, sometimes we're struggling to create enough of those golden opportunities. Do you think? Well, it's difficult. I mean. The supporters listening will go up, yeah, but there's other... T it's difficult at that level to go and create chance after chance, maybe like you do domestically. Uh, Celtic last year were guilty of giving up a lot of chances. Mm -hmm. If you look at the games, I remember the Real Madrid game out there. Abad had a chance early on. I think Maeda had a chance at the start of the second yeah. half. We were guilty of missing chances. So when the goal... I think that'll be the frustrating thing for the team because the the goal's well worked to get your noses in front and then you look at their goal, it's a bit messy. A couple of times there, the headers and it's bouncing about and it just goes over the line. And I think that'll be the frustrating thing for the team because all of a sudden you've got to go and try and get that goal and get in, get in front again. It's fine lines. The cliche is fine lines. Everybody says fine lines, but you look at the other night, it could have so easily... I mean, the VAR takes away Celtic's goal it could so easily be a different story. If Maeda doesn't touch it, and then the frustrating thing for us is we end up at 96 minutes with no points. Yeah. And you look at the two games, I don't think we were... The, we were in the game in Rotterdam until obviously they send it off. I don't think you would say we were the better team, but we were in the game. But ultimately we were away with yeah. nothing out of six, yeah. so it's frustrating. We were talking the VAR, by the way, as well, and this is a t you know, sour grapes, although it'll probably come across as this. <laughs> the VAR gets involved and, and makes a call for the goal. Where was VAR when Rio Hatate was pretty much punched in yeah. the face? You know, because that's as clear and obvious a yeah, deliberate a act, one. I think, <clears throat> as you're going to see. Definitely. No, definitely. And it's just, it's one of those that if everything went in our favour with the offside, Palmer's goal goes in, we come away 2-1, we're all coming away gushing about the fact that we took our game to Lazio at that level, and particularly yeah. in that second half, we dominated the game, and as you mentioned, Simon, just to find margins of football, mm -hmm. you actually come away with a 2-1 defeat, your left's kind of scratching your head a little bit, but I suppose from the player's point of view, and to kind of put it to yourself, when you were a player and you would have been in a changing room like that, you must just be looking at those positives of how I they think, took yeah. the game. I think they'll take heart from how they performed. You walk away with no points, and everybody wants you hit, hit you with a stick about the the recent times, about ten years since they last won uh, at home in the Champions League. That's that's easy to throw at you, but you look at the games. I just it is it's the fine margins, but I think the players will take heart from the fact that they were in both those games. You know, I've, I've been here on the back of heavy defeats. You know, Brendan's last time here with, with Paris out there and different things, you know, heavy defeats that you weren't in the game at all. Uh, that's not the case with this group. Albeit, the next two games are going to be difficult because I think this is the strongest team in the group, Atletico, uh, that's coming up. They will be difficult. But I think the boys will have to take some sort of positives from both games. You know, I think once you get down to nine men or ten men, in Rotterdam, you can almost put a line through that. Uh, but the other night, yeah, there'll be fans out there saying that. Ah, but you know, we've walked away with nothing. But I think the boys should be able to take, you know, a lot of positivity from their, their performance. I mean, I thought Skills is great again. Yeah, well, he's really, him. he's really fighting for his his position in this team. We're, uh, we're going to talk about, really well. about Skills as we as yeah. we progress on because he was a guy that we were sort of looking at as well and. He's been he's been sensational. He has he has yeah. Well, why don't we start to look forward then to the the game against Kilmarnock on mm. Saturday, and then we'll get into some of those kind of individual performances and in, in more detail in a little bit. But Matt, as usual, as we do in the podcast when we're previewing up to a game, you get your stats book yes. out. What have you got for I us? I feel this like time? we should have like a whoosh sound for me bringing the stats book in. Yeah, here. I know. So here it is, the big book of or get stats. a big slam on the table. That's what we need. Um, I mean, it's not that heavy a book, but it's... Uh, yet, yet, yet. Yeah. However, it will be filling up as the season <laughs> progresses. So, having a wee look back here, um, since the 2013-14 season, our record um, against Kilmarnock at Celtic Park, it's it's comprehensive. It's pretty much as about as comprehensive as you can get. So, we've played uh, Kilmarnock here at Celtic Park 14 times over the last 10 seasons, and... Over those 14 games, we have racked up 11 wins 
and there have been three draws and no wins for Kilmarnock. Over those 10 years, the scoreline here at Celtic Park between the two clubs is currently sitting at 36-7 in favour of Celtic. So, you know, we're in good form going into the game. In fact, you'd have to go back to 2012 for the last time that Kilmarnock actually beat Celtic at Celtic Park. Um, they beat us 2-0 that day, and one of the goal scorers was the guy who was on our last podcast, Killian Sheridan. Yeah, indeed. He uh, didn't mention it, actually, to be fair to him. Which he was, did or he didn't? He didn't mention he didn't. it. Oh, no, no, it. he kept it quiet. So, Well, you see, he probably should have mentioned it because it was quite an important uh, win for Kilmarnock, and, and I'll tell you exactly why. Well, first of all, you know, Kilmarnock haven't scored more than one goal in a, a game here at Celtic Park since that match. But also, that 2012 victory for Kilmarnock is the only time that Kelly have defeated Celtic at Celtic Park since 1955, believe it or not. That's the only win at Celtic Park for Kilmarnock uh, throughout, throughout those years. But... You know, you know, I love a little bit of useless trivia, and so and so here it comes. Go for it. 1955, that game against Kilmarnock at Celtic Park. Well, this is the game that they beat us. This is the game that they beat us okay. back in 1955. Well, the week before that match, the management committee of the Scottish League met to discuss the sort of possibility of playing competitive matches during the week under you know floodlights under under the lights, but that proposal was met with. Sort of a little bit of negativity. The clubs weren't keen on it because they felt that it would impact the the sort of Saturday gate. You know, the crowds <laughs> coming on a Saturday, which was the main source of income <coughs> for the clubs, and so it was kind of put on the the back burner. Celtic didn't actually get floodlights installed at Celtic Park until 1959. Maybe touch on that specific uh, game and the floodlights and stuff like that in a in a future episode. But it's crazy to think, uh, you know, you you know. It's, Something so basic as floodlights in a football stadium would have caused so much controversy at that point in time. It's not as mental as well because you think when you get into December and January months, you know what it's like a three o'clock mm. game on a Saturday. By five o'clock, when it's the end of the game, it's pretty yeah. much pitch yeah. black anyway. So, what were people doing? Well, back listen, then? we've actually got. Well, we're going for a tangent, but hey, let's, let's do it. It's, the, it's the, a, the powers that be actually wanting a game at three o'clock on a Saturday. The, the irony, yeah. It's crazy, yeah. Aye. I know. Do you think as well? That's a good point as well. But, um, we uh, were one of the first clubs to ever trial floodlights. I mean, you're going way back to the early days here of the football club, <clears throat> but it wasn't like floodlight pylons or anything like that. The idea was sort of lights on a sort of rope, ropes <laughs> sort of draped <laughs> o- around the pitch on... on Fairy sort of, lights. Yeah, <laughs> effectively, right? <coughs> Ashton Lane, right? <clears throat> but that kind of proposal didn't last long because the ball kept hitting... The, the lights the kept lights. hitting the wire, kept hitting the rope, so smashing the ball. Uh, exactly. So that was kind of scrap. But again, we'll have a full floodlight episode. Where I I'll think just we give should, you shouldn't we? Yeah. 101 facts about floodlights. <laughs> I'm <laughs> the, here for it. Yeah. So obviously, we're in good form, Grant. Um, Simon, uh, in terms of playing against Kilmarnock <clears throat> at Celtic Park. However, yeah. Kilmarnock have obviously beaten us already this season. Yeah. So, how do you think we should be feeling uh, coming into this game? I don't think that really will determine. You know, focus on a bit of payback for the, the cup game but I don't think it will determine any of the way the boys really think about it getting into it I think the boys go out there quite confident most weeks you know expecting to win games and it's nine times out of ten how Celtic perform really if, if they can you know Kilmarnock have did well the start of the season to beat Rangers and Celtic uh, they'll be a wee bit disappointed themselves not progressing in the cup I think Derek McInnes thought that might have been a wee opportunity before Hearts put them out on the whole, I think they've had a decent start to the season. But again, I think the Celtic team, I know they left it late last week, but I think that they can only get stronger. I said that after the Rangers game, you know, when we're down to the kind of bare bones and a lot of injuries, and the boys went to Ibrox and got a great result. I didn't think Celtic would be any weaker. You know, I th- if that makes sense to you, I think all the players, the new players coming in, will be getting a feel for it, getting to you know, sense what it's about to play for the club, their teammates, and I think Celtic will only, I think we've seen it in the results, albeit the, 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 the one the other night, but I think we, we'll get stronger. So I firmly believe, you know, Celtic will, will win tomorrow. And I, 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 I don't think that cup game will really have affected mm. 
you know how they go about it. It's always a different set of circumstances when you're going to. Rugby well, there's grass out there for a start. Exactly, <laughs> that was going to be my point. And also touching upon what you were saying, that was very much at the early stages of the development of yeah. the team, and there was a lot of mitigating circumstances with injuries, and just looking at some of the individual performances since then and the team performances as yeah. well. You touched on Liam Scales. That's somebody that we wanted to bring up as well because. I think he's been absolutely outstanding. And I can't remember if the Kilmarnock game was the first game that he came in for, but it was around about that time anyway. But he's just went from strength to strength, hasn't he? He has, he has. And again, the other night, you know, I know the defensive side of it is the first and foremost for centre-backs, but I really liked his use of the ball the other mm. night, you know, trying to play things forward, uh, keep possession. His positioning's been good. You know, Ibrooks things are coming in, and it might, to the naked eye, might not look too impressive, but he, he seems to be in the right place more often than not to, to kind of clear it. <coughs> and he's he, Liam Scales will always have a fight on because you've brought in two centre backs or three centre backs this season. Carter Vickers is one of the the, the team's top men. Uh, he's always going to have a fight to get in that team, but my goodness, he's doing really well just now and. He'll know himself that he'll have to keep his levels at that throughout mm. to keep himself in the team. But it's it's good to watch because he's had a few setbacks. No disrespect, he's had to go to Aberdeen to play, to get game time. That's maybe not a setback as such, but it's not been plain sailing for him, is what I'm trying to say. And you look at other ones, like Ralston has been through the kind of same process over the years, ended up in the international squad. So it's it's I like it when I see boys, you know, fighting. Uh, a wee bit of adversity there. It's not just into the first team and you know off you go. Uh, he's had his, his setbacks. He's had his, had to be patient, and he's got a, 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 as as most Celtic players have. He's got a fight on because he's got four or five players there, and I think you know before this we but I think he's turning people's perception of yeah. him because I think at one point he thought well as soon as so and so is fit he'll be back he'll be out, and his performances are dictating. You know, that's not going to be the yeah. case. Somebody's going to have to wrestle this jersey off me. And you're right in terms of the sort of change in opinion as well, because I think people would initially have looked at Liam Scales and thought, right, well, he'll do maybe the basics here. You know, he'll, he'll win the headers, he'll put in the hard challenges. But you're totally right to mention the passing. We were actually reflecting on some of Liam Scales' you know, use of the ball yeah. before, before we started recording. And, you know, <coughs> he, he is... Very, very good in terms of picking out long diagonal passes, which for the opposition defence is a nightmare because you've got Dizemida run mm, to try and go yeah. to the end of that, yeah. which is such a is such a, a positive for us. But also, I mean, I th you know, he's 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 tackling as well. There's nothing better than a well timed slide challenge. And I know right. we lost the game the other night, so it's and it's small victories here. But his slide challenge in the first half was sensational. The ball <laughs> nearly ended up you know, <coughs> over the north stand. Yeah. It, it went that far that far back, but no. He's, he's doing so well, but you're absolutely right to point out that Confidence as well. Yeah. Confidence yeah. as well, because, again, I've been in that position where you're, you're waiting on your chance. You're waiting on your chance. Right, here's my chance now. But at the back of your mind, you're thinking, you know, I might be in for a game here. Uh, might be back out. But the longer he stays in the team, and I think you have to be brave mm -hmm. on the ball at Celtic. You've got 60,000 yeah. fans there breathing down your neck. You have to be brave on the ball. You, you can't shrink. Uh and I think he's getting confidence. I think that's why we're seeing more of him, you know, coming out and, and picking passes because he's, he's 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 keeping his place in the side, which is breeding confidence within him. Uh, and I think he's obviously at the backing of his manager, which that adds a foot to you as well. You know, when you've got you feel as if you've got the belief of your manager, that is a big help as well. Yeah, it's mad to think <coughs> in football you see so many examples of it, and Liam's certainly one of them. Sometimes it's just right place, right time, and it can be a sliding doors moment of an injury, and all of a sudden you have to take that opportunity because so many of the rumours were that Lee might have had yeah. to go out and. He might be again. moving on again, and that's that's where I think full credit to you, mate, because he'll have looked at the, the players coming in again. That happens at Celtic every year, more often than not. Players coming in, and players look right. There's another guy in my position, mm. <coughs> another centre back coming in. 
there's another one coming in. Yeah. How far down the line am I? How, you know, am I going to move back out? And all of a sudden, he's playing the Champions League the other night and been one of our top performers. Yeah, yeah, yeah even he attempted an overhead kick actually he in the second half. I don't no. remember that. There. <coughs> Talk about confidence. If that had been in, if that had been in, oh my, he'd oh. have been in the team for the rest of the, the season. Maybe this scale statue outside <laughs> the main stand. If that had been in, by the way. Um, one of the other players that's impressed me in the last couple of games, obviously got a goal on Saturday. Um, which he would have thought was going to be the winning goal against Motherwell um, before just mayhem consumed the Fur Park. And then got the goal again on Wednesday night against Lazio, but it was ruled out for offside. But Luis Palma, um, he's impressed me since since coming into the team and the last couple of games. I thought on Wednesday night when he they came off the bench, he looked to play with a real confidence to yeah. want to drag defenders out to him to take them on, which then opened up spaces elsewhere. Simon, has he been somebody that's impressed you at points? Yeah, yeah, to, to an extent. I think the other night when he came on, I thought that was the best he'd, he'd performed. Uh, he's a different player to some of the wide guys that have been in recently where, you know, a bad as my head, they're yeah. quite direct, you know, the... They bank on their pace, you know, they back themselves against it. I think this guy's more of a football player and like, he'll want to go and link with strikers, he'll want to link with midfielders. Uh, he's a different type, but the other night, you know, he likes to operate, well, he, he kind of has operated on the left so far. I think he likes to keep the ball, he's got a good uh, bit of awareness around him. The other night he took the ball in tight areas with two or three round about him, kept the move going, and it was a real shame that the goal didn't stand because oh, that might have just been the, the catalyst for him to, you know, fire on with his, his Celtic career, just that little bit. Uh, so for that moment, you know, with the jersey and he gets booked and that, that <laughs> yellow know. card stands. I mean, I what's that rule all about? But, you know, just, there's plenty more there and I think that from, you look even at Yang pace as well. I don't, I don't think, I'm not saying Palmer's slow, he's a different type of mm -hmm. footballer to these guys. So it'll be interesting to see how it develops for him, but that's where I, I go back to Celtic won't be as weak as, uh, or not as strong as that game against Rangers because all these guys will be taking a little bit, even that little bit of experience playing the other night yeah. in the Champions League, they'll be taking that into the next game, taking that into the next game. And it goes without saying, I think we'll still see the best of, of this guy. Yeah, definitely. Um, just finishing off then in our preview of Kilmarnock, are we all... Expecting then three points yes. on Saturday. Absolutely. Yes, Simon. That, I, I think so. Yeah, and I think as well, Simon will know this you know better than we will. But you come off the back of conceding a late goal like that. It's so painful. Yeah. It's so disappointing. <clears throat> I would think you want be to like wounded animals coming into. You coming want to out the system, I. And I mean, I watched Matt O'Reilly. He's uh, post-match he was absolutely gutted mm -hmm. he, he just epitomised probably about the 60,000 that just left the stadium yeah. felt like he was gutted so you want out of the system yeah. uh, and that's a good thing with football the next game's two or three days away yeah. so I think the boys will be ready for it no, yeah. I think so three points good performance and get that sort of hangover shifted from, from midweek. Yeah, perfect. Uh, well, we can hear a bit from the manager, Brendan Rodgers, and we can get his thoughts leading into the match against Kilmarnock. So let's hear from the manager now. Yeah, I, listen, I think playing Kilmarnock, we're in a totally different place to what we were when we played in the cup game, uh, with the greatest respect. Uh, 24 hours, you, you're disappointed. Basically, it was, a, it was a great night for us, and we looked like we were to get something from the game and, and win the game it didn't happen and but this is this is football you know you have to uh, especially when you're a big club you're playing lots of games you have to analyze and after 24 hours you got to to move on and, and that's the strength of this group you know we've had one or two little upsets you know in, in this early part of the season but the players have responded brilliantly and we'll we'll, we'll get going again tomorrow they'll recover if, after a few days and um, We'll be ready to go again on Saturday with a big attitude and energy in the game. There we go. Um, moving on now onto the women's team. We're going to have a little bit of chat in a moment, but on Thursday night, the women's team defeated Glasgow City with a late goal from Colette Kavanagh in the league. Massive win, eight wins out of eight. And But before we get into our chat... We caught up with Chloe Craig, who scored the opening goal in that game from the penalty spot to get her reaction to the match. 
I feel as if I'm still feeling the emotions uh, from last night, but no, it was a good game for us. Um, they made it difficult. They're a good team, um, but what we've worked on in training it helped us on the night. You obviously got the all important opener in the game. You become ever reliable at the back, but also from twelve yards as well. Yeah, of course. Um, but it, it, it's it's a team game. It's not just an individual um, mark. But yeah, I'm just proud to be in honour to be able to get on the scoreline. Obviously, conceding when we did it, maybe it could have been tough to to continue fighting, but we did, and ultimately got the the winner in the end. It must say a lot about the mentality of the squad. Of course, I think it shows the character of the team and the players that we never give up and we never stop fighting, and it just shows the belief and the confidence that we have in each other to keep on pushing until the the ninety minutes. Particularly playing against ten players when they've got something to hold on to, that can that can be tough as well. But just kept going and got that three points as we mentioned. Of course, um, ten men or eleven men doesn't really matter. Um, to be honest, uh, we're playing big teams um, and the league's grown. Um, but it was a hard game, even the, even at ten men. So we just kept fighting and tried to break them down. Obviously, it was a last minute winner, but the squad have shown they can win in many different ways. Whether that be sort of coming from behind or or taking the lead late on. Of course, yeah, and I think sometimes we make it hard for ourselves, but it's just our character that will always come out on top and we'll just play for each other right till the end. Yes, guys, so massive win for the women's team. Matt, we were discussing on last week's podcast just about the strength of the women's team this season, how well they've been performing, but we did say going into the game on Thursday night, these are the games in the last couple of seasons where the league has been won or lost because... Both Celtic, Rangers and Glasgow City, all three teams, they rarely drop points elsewhere. So that was massive, wasn't it? Absolutely huge. And they showed another side to themselves as well in that game because since the start of the season, you know, we've spoken about this, they're in total free-scoring form. You know, They're putting four, five, six, sometimes even nine goals past teams. But the other night, they really had to work for the result, they had to work to get the opening. You know, Chloe Craig's opener, it came late on in the match. Mm-hmm. The 70th minute or... Yeah, yeah, something like that. And then, of course, you know, you can see the equaliser, but the strength of character to come back and, and then get the late winner. Colette Kavner, her third spell at the club, <laughs> and, and what a finish as well. I think it was on her weaker foot. Yeah, uh, um, It's a tremendous result. It's a wonderful start to the season. Obviously, it's early days, but even right now, looking at it, top of the table, eight games in, unbeaten, scoring a barrel load of goals, they've got to be looking at, at that and, and feeling confident about the league this season. Yeah, and they're just going from strength to strength each week, but also with each season. We saw it a couple of seasons ago where they got the cup double. They won their first ever, the first cup in about 10 years. Um, <coughs> last season went so close. Simon, you were there at that yeah. final game against Hearts. It was like a matter of seconds pretty much going from winning the league <laughs> then went on to win the cup though the following week and this season again the progression seems to have gone one step further with the way that they're playing the results that they're getting as well it's just it's a brilliant time for the women's team and it's brilliant Simon just to see the development of the women's game but also yeah. specifically for Celtic yeah and I think you're absolutely right there I think from the kind of outside looking in obviously I do a lot of the stuff here at Celtic TV looking at the, the girls team they are progressing season by season uh, and that's a fin- it's a fantastic start eight wins out of eight at the start of this season it shows they look as if they're kicking on again uh, because you know covering that game at the end of last season was heartbreaking for them I think it was great in terms of profile for the women's game because there was th- I think three of them could have won the league that's on that right, last yeah. day of the season I think that was good but not for us obviously because for a, a long spell right to the death it looked as if Celtic were going to do it so it looks as if they've kicked on again this season, a, a strong result against one of their major r- rivals uh, the other night. So I think it's good for the team. I think they've got a really, they've put themselves in a great position. As I say, it's, it's good to see them progressing season after season. Yeah, and it's all about winning the big game, but then it's also about backing that up in your next fixture. And this Sunday, they're playing at home to Motherwell. 2pm kickoff at home in Airdrie, so get yourself down there if you have the opportunity to. And last season, they actually drew 0-0 away from home against Motherwell, Matthew, which when you look back on the, the table and the way that the league went, that proved to be 
quite a decisive result. So it's all about making sure that performance is at it again to make sure that the game on Thursday night doesn't go um, without, you know, those three points are important, you know. No, totally. But you look at the form that they're in and also the way that they're playing. I thought the, the you know the cup game against Hamilton um, last week was a perfect example of, of the way this team plays and goes about their business. Six now, six different goal scorers. It's you know they're in tremendous form, and I think the confidence that they'll be yeah. carrying into this weekend, hopefully, um, will be enough to not only get them the three points, but also score another. Hopefully, barrel the goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we want to finish the podcast in a bit of a reflection, Simon, in, in your Celtic career. But before oh. we get to that, um, B team as well, hmm. Matt. Uh, they are at home tonight. We're recording this Friday night to East Stirlingshire. They too played Lazio on Wednesday during the day, and they got a one each draw. And it was from a last minute penalty from Mackenzie Carson. I don't know if you had a chance to see it. Simon. I haven't seen it. No. Oh, no. it's an absolute it's peach. Absolute yeah. peach, right into the top corner, yeah. wasn't it, Matt? He slams it right into the the, the top bin. But you, I don't know. If maybe this is just nonsense I'm about to speak here which you know wouldn't be a surprise but um, <laughs> not the first thing uh, you know thinking you know noticing that these days more and more penalties seem to be guys seem to be stepping up and banging into the top corner it just it seems to be you know they must be working on it I, I remember I've seen a video of a guy banging one into the top corner uh, <laughs> with the help of the underside <laughs> the bar, cross bar. that must take that must take such I didn't, mean that. I didn't mean that. that. You, you talk that the yeah, Liverpool the penalty. Win, yeah. I didn't mean that. I'd put one in. <laughs> if you think, well, you are too young for it. We we played FC Tyrrell the, the round before, and I put one in the same area. Right. So when I was standing in front of David James, I thought, right, I'm going to go the same way. But I think he'd been watching it because he went that way as well. Thankfully for me, it was slightly higher than the Tyrrell penalty, and for. A split second, my heart skipped oh, a beat. He's just a big guy, David James as well, isn't he? Huge guy, huge guy. And that's what I've said for the 26 years since. It had to be there because he would have saved it otherwise. Yeah, tremendous. That was, usually if I ever hit a penalty, it's one of those where I try and put it in the right and it goes in the left and I'm looking at my feet <laughs> like, how did that? It's <laughs> 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 a bobble. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, for the, the B team, Matt, um, hopefully they'll take that confidence going into this game against East Stirlingshire because watching the game back, they played well, mm-hmm. they definitely deserved a point from it. It would have been a heartache if they didn't get something from it. And that's got to give them a lot of confidence. Absolutely. And, and you know, I know that sort of seems to be the theme of this podcast today about, you know, taking yeah. the confidence into the next game. But you're totally right. They came off the, you know, the the game against Feyenoord a, f- a few weeks back. You know, they were beaten over there. But there's a good result they got against Lazio because the, 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 the Lazio team, their B team, were well organised, they were well structured, but they also turned into a bit of a physical battle at points as well. But our boys were able to, you know, get through that, keep pushing, keep creating chances, and obviously they got the rewards at the end. So again, hopefully tonight they'll carry that little bit of confidence that, that they've got into into the match um, against East Stirlingshire tonight. Yeah, hopefully. Um, let's move on then to our guest, yes. Simon Donnelly. Well, he Matt. was just mentioning there. He was looking at the stats. Uh, oh, the yeah, stats yeah. I hope the stats are right. <laughs> well, so do we. <laughs> yeah, we actually, so to be upfront and honest about this, we had a little bit of debate because we were going through different sites to see about Aye, stats. Don't, don't go on. Wikipedia has taken off. Well, did so they we do? Oh, no, yeah, they've taken goals and appearances off yeah, me over the years. Yeah, I think they only go on like in league appearances nah, or something. So we were kind of going back and forth trying <clears> to yeah. make sure they were right. Then we checked. We talked one site and it said there was like 150 appearances in another. It was like 198. 195. 195. So we went with that one. I'm going with that one. Just under two, I reckon. Yeah. They're not all starts right enough, of course. Well, appearances. Let's get right into it then. So, Simon, who you spent six years. Seven. Seven years in the first start. (laughs) (laughs) All that time. 92 to 99. All that time. I'm 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 going to get on the phone to Wikipedia honest, because that is a good enough. No, seven years in the first team uh, here at Celtic. Sorry, I take it back. Six, seven years in entirety. So oh. you might be right. Whoa, hold on a minute here. The stats book has been called into <laughs> entirety. question. Entirety. Carry on. You spent however many years yeah. here at the club. 195 appearances for Celtic. Now we've got 41 goals here. Yes. Happy with that one? Yes. 41 goals. Um, 
was a 30 league appearances in the 97-98 season, which was touched on at the start of the podcast. Yeah. A huge season in the history of the football club. 10 league goals that season, which were pivotal, obviously, to securing the league title. And, you know, we can't be talking about that season without mentioning, obviously, the one of those goals could have been the goal but you know looking back on that career and being involved with uh, Celtic during that era how do you reflect you know on your time just overall uh, at, at the club yeah how do I reflect playing for Celtic I, huge pride huge pride probably more now when I'm older and I've got three sons that I can you know say your dad played with Celtic and they're all mad Celtic fans uh and I'm of an era where <coughs> some of my goals appear on social media at times, <laughs> so it's you know the boys can see them. Uh, but yeah, huge pride. It was a difficult period at Celtic from '92 when I signed through to when I left. You know, we're up against a, a strong Rangers side uh, that were quite dominant for a spell when I first came into the first team. I think that maybe made it sweeter, you know, when success started to arrive, you know, in 95, the Scottish Cup was a huge one, Tommy Burns, who was a huge influence in my my time here, you know, that was his, his first uh, and only trophy as a manager, and I think that was after six years yeah, of nothing, yeah, which is, was the last one. Yeah, you, yeah, guy, yeah. you guys, I mean, how c- can you imagine, you know, no. six years without yeah. silverware? Well, well, well see, when we're, we're just talking about that there, you know, that 95 final Let, let's sort of start there i guess yeah. because that is such a big <coughs> moment 1989 being the last time that we had lifted silverware yeah which a big moment um obviously we're in the scottish cup but you know what were your feelings that day even going into that match you know what, what, what must have been pressure uh, what yeah was see for me there wasn't pressure because no. i would have been i would have been 19 am i right 19 yes i was 19 then I was del- delighted because I don't think I played in the semi-final. I was just delighted to be in the starting eleven in the C- Scottish Cup final, and I was nineteen. So it was only since then, when I've looked back and I've watched your Nick Stays and your Peter Grants and your Tommy Burns and your Billy Starks and their reactions at the full time, like almost tears, isn't which it? you can you realise these guys were used to winning stuff at Celtic back in their playing days six years before. Uh, a lot of them were involved in Celtic's success of the 80s so it was only when you look back I was 19 wet behind the ears just this is brilliant I'm in a cup final here and we won it was a, th- a horrendous game mm-hmm. there, was, there wasn't much in the game apart from the header yeah. for Pierre it was a great header uh, and I remember and, and I think lots of players will say that the, the experienced players take this in because it doesn't happen every day and I'm 19 I'm thinking oh, yeah it will it was my only Scottish Cup win mm-hmm. uh, in the time I was here, so it's it's only when I reflect, <coughs> excuse me, when I reflect back at that and look at the reactions of the senior players that I realise, and I think about the enormity of you know getting that monkey off the back. They yeah. described it as the monkey off the back, and Tommy winning it, you know that built on the next wee bit where he, he went and brought in that kind of foreign contingent, yeah. the three or four players that added a little bit to us. You know, and there was, you talk about the women's game, there was a, a progression from that 95 that probably finished with the, the 98 yeah, team. Yeah, and in terms of Tommy Burns, because you made your debut under Lou McCary, but yeah. tell us about Tommy, because it seemed to be that he seemed to be the one to really reinvigorate your Celtic career uh, and just <clears throat> an absolute Celtic legend, isn't it? It was, and, you know, so Lou McCary gave me my debut, uh, which I'm eternally grateful for because then I can say I've played for Celtic first team uh, but it was I didn't have a, a relationship with him as such because I was just a young guy on the periphery uh, it was when Tommy came in that I really began to establish myself in that team first and foremost and a relationship with a manager uh, and it really helped me I talk about it regularly because we went to it was after the Hamden season 1994 where I did, I did a terrible season, injury, didn't score a goal, my form was poor, uh, frustrated, it could have been it could have been the end of my Celtic career and we went to Germany the following pre-season and he took me aside and says look I'm going to take you away, you've all, kind of always regarded myself as a, a striker up until that point, he says I'm going to play 
a deeper role. I think it will suit your game. It will take the pressure off, you know, leading the line as such. And it worked for me. He brought Jackie in after that. It clicked. It, it developed different bits to my game where I could play <coughs> in a deeper role and be a link player, you know. Uh, and again, on reflection, the hindsight for that, it, it was a crossroads in my Celtic career. I could have easily persevered up front and it might not have happened for him. It might, it might have happened. But him moving me back helped me at that particular time in my career. And he was fantastic with the young young boys. I think uh, if you look right through from my era to your McGiddies, your Maloney, every one of them will say that yeah. he helped them because he, he took time out with them to get back in the afternoon. Never coached the life out of you. Mm-hmm. Never. Uh, he would just give you little pointers and it just helped your game. Yeah. I feel like People always ask you that question, you know, if you could have, like, dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would it be? And, you know, I, just the amount of stories that I hear about Tommy, I yeah. would love to have had the chance to have met him and spoke to him and asked him questions and just felt his passion towards Celtic. Ryan, he was great, right, but he was also demanding. Was he? He was also demanding. Did he have and that other side to him? The scary side to it, which I think was good as well. I remember him and Starkey playing in reserve games up at Barrafield. I drove by it this morning. Not much has changed there with the supporters <laughs> club. And because they, they would have been late 30s, 40, right? So I can relate to it now, playing sixes at 48. But if you played the ball half a yard away from his foot and he couldn't quite get it because he was getting a wee bit older, it'd be your fault. Boy! Boy, so it was that kind of demand of I need to get this right to you. Even in passing drills, remember doing passing drills out there on the pitch. If everything wasn't, he'd stop it. And you got to the point where your focus was a hundred percent, your concentration was a hundred percent, because you didn't want to be the guy that made the mistake. And I thought that was great. You know, is that coaching? Is that? It probably is, but it's it was the demands of what he wanted from you, and everybody knew it. And that came from probably the guys that coached him, you know, coming through at Celtic. Uh, in his playing career, he just he, he brought that. He knew what it was. He knew what the demands were for it to be a Celtic player and mm-hmm. be a success. And that's why I look back in it. I love my time with him for the year because we obviously won the league, but the, the, the 95, 96 team, when he brought the players, the Van Hoydonks, Cadetis, Andy Toms, to add to what we already had there and some of the young boys like myself coming through he brought Jack in that team was a it was a bloody good team you yeah. know it was some really good football in it yeah I mean it's you know what the telling thing is though whenever whenever anybody speaks about Tommy who who worked with Tommy Burns whenever they're speaking about Tommy they're smiling you know you ever noticed that yeah. as well? it's just I think it says everything you touched on the 98 season there um, we'll, we'll sort of come to that just now Um we both, it's been done to death, I think, talking about the fact that you know your goal against Inverness could have been, could have been the one which um, won the league for Celtic, and I'm sure it's a, a sore point for yourself. So, you obviously scored in that penultimate game of yeah. the season. Craig Falkenbridge equalises late on for for Dunfermline, and so the, the 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 title goes down to the last day. Those intervening days, that week between the Dunfermline game and the St Johnston game. What was that like for you personally? What, what were your thoughts? How were you feeling? Uh, you wanted the game. You, I think you touched on it, Matt, earlier on. But you know, after a, a, a negative result, you wanting to go and you know rectify it. Almost, we would have played St Johnson on the Sunday mm-hmm. or the, the Monday. But I think it was the game against them. Felt whatever we'd have played yeah. St Johnson the next day. The way we felt on the bus coming back from East End Park, we were desperate to rectify that, and and we knew it was still in our hands. Uh, but we just wanted to fast forward to the next Saturday. We went about our business. We went out. I've I've said this. We went out. Tom Boyd had us out. He was a social convener. He had us out on the Tuesday night for a few beers. I think we went for a Chinese because we were doing that all the time in that season with that group of players because if you didn't have a game during the week, we were off on a Wednesday. So we would go, whether it was paintball and a few jars. And, mm-hmm. But we went out, and I remember it being a conscious decision. Look, we've done it all season. We're doing it again. We're not changing anything in our routine. I think the only change, I think we went away on the Friday. I think Vim took us away maybe to Cameron House. I honestly can't remember. But the Saturday in the scenes after it, and I watched this back. I've spoken about it. I watched it back when we were in lockdown. Remember when yeah. all the games were on? Oh, yeah, the and I watched it back. Yeah. And 
you can see the game we get when we go one nil up with Henrik. Yeah. Normally those type of games when you go off to a start, it's a three or four nil shot, and the second goal just never came, and they had chances, and you could see our good play in the first half, and then including myself, passes going astray at the start of the second half, nerves were kicking in, you could sense Aye. the result elsewhere was going against us, and one mistake, and it was, we were done. George O'Boyle that had a chance. He had a chance, I think Gouldy had a good save as well, Aye. you know, Gouldy took a lot of stick <laughs> off, mainly in the dressing room, <laughs> but he had a great save, and an important one, uh, and then, obviously, Vim made the, the great decision to take me off and bring Harold in. <laughs> the best substitution in Celtic football club history. But <laughs> the second goal was it was relief, I think. Yeah. That full stadium, it was relief. Everybody, yeah. if anybody says something up in one word, it's relief. Do you know, uh, that's a word that was in my head just before you said that, because for me, I was slightly too young to remember that game. But if I speak to my dad about it, yeah. That's the first thing he says. It's relief. relief. So it's, it's good that you said uh, that as well. Yeah, yeah. That was in my head. It's a great feeling. As soon as Harold scored, you knew th- the way that we just knew that was it. Yeah, there was no coming back from that. That yeah. was over. What a time! Yeah, would you say that would be the high highlight of that? The, was the high. The Celtic that was the high because, as I said, and I think it was even well the, the enormity of that. You know, Rangers trying to beat the Lisbon Lions. That. I, I don't think I appreciated you know? it as much at that time as I yeah. do now. I think every Celtic fan, I mean, I come here to do my work with Celtic TV and a lot of fans of that era thank me for my, the part I played. It's brilliant. I, I love it. Uh, and I can show my boys about it. Yeah. But if that had went the other way, it would have been a disaster. So it, the enormity of that, it has to be the highlight of my, my time here. Brilliant. Well, we're just going to do a couple of, I guess, quickfire questions yeah. to, to round up then, Simon. Just based around yourself your career and people you've sort of worked with through the years. So we'll, we'll just get started. I was going to say a nice, easy one. It might not be, um, but we'll try and make it a wee bit more difficult here. The best player that you played with, but it cannot be Henrik. Ooh. <laughs> Put on the spot. Yeah. Because obviously the Hen- Henrik would have been the, would be the, the too obvious a choice, you know? Yeah, yeah. Played with some crackers. I know. Yeah, oh, you can you can mention a couple, and then we can try and yeah. work it back and right, so p- one. Paul McStay. I I went to watch Paul when he was seventeen or eighteen at Hamden. My dad took me to Scotland games, and he scored against Iceland. He was a brilliant player. Loved watching Paul McStay. Fast forward six years or seven years, and playing the first team with him. Brilliant. It was, and I remember training with him at Barrafield. First time Lou McCarry put me in. To train with them, uh, and I'm pinching myself. I'm playing with the likes of Paul McStay. He, so he was, he's up there. I really liked uh, Van Hoydonk. Yeah, I think his stats were up there with any oh. other striker. Not wherever just he went, any, uh, wherever he went, and I think he, his intelligence. The first time I played, you know, a real kind of intelligence, similar to Henrik. You know mm. that kind of linkage. Uh, and I'll go with my pal, Jackie, because I think, I'd like to think he would say I helped him, but he certainly helped me on that right-hand side. I think the two of us, I don't know what it was. I mean, we, we did work and stuff, but I think a lot of it was telepathic. I, I, I knew, you know, I said that earlier on when Tom Bur- Tommy Burns said about just be pointers, we'd take them into the game. I knew where he was. He seemed to know where I was, and I just loved playing down the right hand side. Yeah. Since you're a guest, we'll give you three. That's that's fine. Yeah. Is it? Did any player stand out that you played against? Yes, and I answer this the same all the time. Although there was some really good ones I played against at domestic level. It was a friendly out there against Barcelona, and we got battered no no. It was as if <laughs> seriously, it was as if Barcelona didn't want to score, just wanted to keep the ball, and Robert Prozinetsky played in the middle of the park and I don't know why but Tommy Burns we must because it was a friendly we, there might have been players injured or they didn't want to risk folk I found myself up against this guy in the middle of the park so it wasn't in my kind of position making excuses mm-hmm. but he led me a merry dance and he, he would have been coming towards the end of his career I think he was a chain smoker but I just couldn't get near him <laughs> and it was a real lesson for me and it sticks in my head albeit it was a friendly out there but I would say him. Yeah. Brilliant. We'll try and look for the footage of that. If it it will, yeah, it'll be on our system yeah. somewhere. <laughs> he's, hopefully he's not smoking as you get the ball <laughs> he off. He probably <laughs> was. <laughs> it was that easy for him. Superb. 
Favourite Celtic goal? My favourite Celtic goal, I seen, seen one the other day, I put it up on my Twitter because it was our last minute, our last part of the game winner because Matt O'Reilly scored at the weekend. Yeah. My favourite goal is the one down at Rugby Park when I lifted it over Gordon Marshall. If you watch it back, it's, it'll definitely be in your footage. Yep. It's a good team goal and it get, works its way to Darren Jackson and Craig Burley makes a great run and looking back at it, I don't know why Darren didn't stick it into Craig. He's in a better area but he keeps the move coming to the right to me and I lifted it over Gordon Marshall and Archie McPherson called it Dalglish-esque, who was my hero growing up. And you got compared to as well, didn't you? Very yes, young. quite embarrassingly. <laughs> but Archie said it that day, and it was it was I think uh, I think Dalglish scored one a lot better than mine against Bruges in the European Cup final, no yeah. less. But that's my favourite goal. The importance of it as well it was the winner, and I think it was in the the running to the title. And you touched on the, the form against Kilmarnock. I can assure you, rugby part in those days we didn't. Uh, you know the form wasn't good, so it was a big, it was a big one. Yeah, Matt, let's go for two more. Yeah, so you were talking about how back in that sort of ninety-seven, ninety-eight season, there was a culture of getting together as a team. Yeah, getting out there, going out and socialising. Mm-hmm. Who was the best on a night out in that in that <laughs> team? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a few. There was a few. <laughs> Tommy Johnson. Yeah, always up for a laugh. Uh, Craig Burley, big character. Yeah. Yep. I'd like to take his, his front two teeth out <laughs> and, put, and put them in certain people's drinks. I'll, I'll leave it there. Oh, it's all, oh, oh. I can't imagine that. <laughs> I've, had, I've had stuff put in my drink, like crisps <laughs> and nuts and stuff like that, but not two, <laughs> two teeth. <laughs> Brilliant. One we always like in this um, podcast, Simon, um, is picture the scene. You're stuck in a desert island. Oh. <laughs> don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but you're stuck in a desert island. And you can be stuck there with one former teammate. Who would it be and why? And I'm going to do the converse one as well after. So think about that. Uh, who would it be and why? It has to be uh, probably my closest pal. Jackie? It has to be. Yeah. We spent so much time we, together. We played under-21s together. We roomed together the under-21s. Uh, we've been through a lot in our lives together but I still yeah. a great pal so it would be him and if there's one person you wouldn't want to share that desert island with <laughs> oh, De Canio yeah <laughs> too much <laughs> crazy by the way in a good way but I think after a couple of days he would have probably drove me to try to swim to find, a, find another <laughs> island was he just 24-7 oh mental he was mental from the the first pre-season in Holland I think he I think Granty says that he's, I think he was hiding fish in Granty's bed and just a hundred miles an hour, a, a good character, but I think like every other kind of character of that ilk, after a couple of days it would wear <laughs> off on you and you'd be like, get him out of here. <laughs> I mean, maybe he could cook some pasta or something like that. Or maybe, you know, what, never know. what a talent, by the way, what yeah, a talent. Yeah. I'll, I'll give him that, he's a fantastic <laughs> player, but. Aye, it was just uh, full on. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good place to leave it, Matt. I think so. Brilliant. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to the weekend's game. This has kind, of, kind of cheered me up. Came into this feeling... It has. A bit blue about the result during the that's week. That's the beauty of football. That, that is exactly, the beauty yeah. of football. It's the good thing, you know, a bad result or a negative result, you can always turn it in the next one. And I think the boys tomorrow will be much like what I was talking about. Next game... Dying to get out and, and get the three points. See, yeah. Simon's positive when it comes to this. I know. Uh, motivation. Do you, do you, if I give him a fives of that next week, because we could be doing that kind of motivation <laughs> with some of the boys that have been getting. I'm still recovering from my sixes yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, if you're listening, you're also feeling a bit better as well. Um, thank you very much, Matt. Thank you very much, Simon, for joining us. And remember, um, if you're outside the UK and Ireland, you can watch the game against Kilmarnock live on Celtic TV and you can hear more of Simon's dulcet tones on that as well <laughs> in, in the game um, thank you very much for listening to it um, reminder you can get this podcast on all your podcast platforms like, subscribe, comment, share tell everybody you know about it and we'll get bigger and better and we'll be back uh, with another podcast after the game tomorrow against Kilmarnock uh, with a post-match reaction and then we'll be back again on Tuesday so until then enjoy your weekend and we'll see you again soon hail hail